Hashem, we are learning about Vakama Daflamid Vav. We left off on Daflamid Vav Amidalev at the end of the second line from the top of the Amid. The Gemara now was quoting again from the Mishnah. The Mishnah is speaking about a case where two oxen were chasing one ox. There are Aden that testify that one of those oxen damaged the damaged ox. We just don't know which ox. So the Mishnah said that if both of the oxen belong to the same person, then Shneim Chayovim, they are both Chayiv. And as when we read the Mishnah, we already read the Rashi that said the Gemara needs to explain what do these words mean. Shneim Chayovim, they're both Chayiv. They belong to one person. So the owner is Chayiv. So what's the meaning of the Mishnah? So the Gemara understands in the Havamina from the word Shneim Chayovim that would mean that the Nizak can collect the damage from either one of these oxen. In other words, we're speaking about oxen that are both Tam and the payment, the Chatzinazic payment is collected Mi Gufai from the damaging ox. There were two oxen, we don't know which one did the damage. We know for sure one of them did it. The Habamina is, is that even if one of these oxen disappear, the Nizah can collect the damage from the one that is here. In other words, Shneim Chayavim, you can collect it from either one that you want. So, So, Rava, based on this initial understanding of the Mishnah, questioned, asked Ravashi, Shmami no, should we derive from our Mishnah that Shevarim Tamim, Shehiziku, like in the case where there were two oxen, both of them were tam. One of the two did the damage. And we don't have one of them. One of them got lost. That It doesn't make sense. If one of the oxen gets lost, and payment of a tam has to come only mi gufoi, and you don't know which one did it, why can't the mazik tell the nizik, Maybe the one that got lost did the damage. You want to collect it? Collect it from the lost one. Why is it that Shneim, either one, can be used for collection? So it's ex- clarified Ravashi, says Ravashi to Ravon, that in order to explain why Shneim Chayovim, it must be that Adin, that this case is not speaking about two oxen that are both Tam, whose payment can only come Migufoi. In such a case, if one ox gets lost, then Nizah cannot collect anything. Because maybe the one who got lost is the one that did the damage. When do we say Shneim Chayovim? When they were both moored. In such a case, payment doesn't come from the ox. Payment comes from the owner of the ox. We don't care if the ox got lost. If this case is only when the animals were both muad, how do you understand the continuation of the Mishnah? Which reads, if, if from the two oxen, one was large and one was small. The Nizik is the one that's saying, Godel Hizik, that the larger one did damage. The Mazik is saying, Loi Ki Elokotan Hizik. And on this, the Mishnah says, And when we learned yesterday, the Mishnah, we explained that what are they debating about? It must be that the animals are tam. And you can only collect not only chatzinezek, but you can only collect the chatzinezek from the damaging animal. Now, the gadol, the big one, its value is such that it covers chatzinezek. The cotton, if the cotton is the one that did the damage, even if you sell the whole cotton, it doesn't cover not even half. So that's why the mazik is insisting, oh, the little one did it. But hold on, asks the Gemara, if the Mishnah is speaking about animals that are muad, what difference will it make if the animal that damaged was a large one or a small one? The moment the nizik doesn't need to collect his payment only from the goof, who cares who did the damage? What are they arguing about? Ibn Mu'adin, my nafka lay minei, soif soif, vimei toirim al yibayil The mazik has to pay for all of the damage. So Amalei, to which Ravashi responded, you're right, it must be that seifa bitamin. However, vereisha bimu'adin. So Ravashi gave something that we try to avoid, that in order to explain the words of shneim chayavim, it must be mu'ad. And yeah, and the Mishnah later continues with a case in which the animals are not mu'ad, they're tam. Even if you will accept the doichik of saying Reisha b'muad seifa b'tam, the Reisha itself doesn't work. Even if, even if it's b'muadim. 
Because why did the Mishnah use the words chayavim? In the plural, they are both obligated. If we're speaking about a muad, who is chayif to pay by a muad? The owner. The case is there were two oxen that belonged to one owner. So the Lushan should have been chayav gabra, mi The man is chayav, chayav in the singular. And furthermore, why did the Mishnah use the word shneyem? Shneyem, both, it's not shneyem. So not the word chayavim fits, not the word shneyem fits. Ella, let's go back, le'olam v'tamen. That the whole Mishnah is consistent, we're speaking about both animals were tam. And the initial understanding that even if one of them gets lost, the Nizek can collect from either one, that is ruled out. That is not correct. In order for the Nizek to collect, they both need to be there. And that is precisely what the Mishnah is saying. That Shneem Chayovim, if both animals are here, then the owner will have to pay. But if one of them is missing, the owner will not have to pay. And now let's review a machloikas tanoim that we had on the Flamad Gimel. It's going to be important to understand the Gemara, Lashita Asrashi here, as well as an introduction to the next Pedic. And that is that we had a machloikas, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shmuel, how are we to view the Nizik's ownership in the animal, in the Mazik's Tam animal? So the Mazik has an animal that's a Tam, and it did damage. And the trader says, number one, Chatzinezik. Number two, Migufoy. Rabbi Shmuel understands that the mazik owes money to the nizik. The nizik doesn't have ownership in his animal. The mazik owes money. There is a lien that the trader puts on the animal. But it's a chayf. Rabbi Kiva says no. That if a mazik's tam animal damages a nizik, the nizik becomes a partner in the animal. It gets transferred to him. Not all of it. The amount of money that is owed. And as we said there in the Flamad Gimel, if the entire animal only covers Chatzinezek, then the Nizek owns the whole animal. Now says the Gemara, that this concept, that if two animals damaged, they're both Taman, one of them disappears. One of them disappears. So Taka, in such a case, the Nizek won't get any payment. Because the Mazik will tell him, the one who got lost is the one that damaged. That is only true according to Rabbi Kiva. The Omar Rabbi Kiva holds that the Nizak becomes a partner in the animal that did damage. And therefore, it's not that it's collecting a debt from a lien. It is a partner in the animal. The question is which animal? So if you don't know which animal did the damage and one of them got lost, the Mazik can tell the Nizak, you are a partner in the animal that got lost. The Taimah, so the Mishnah is telling you that you know when he gets paid, the East Nulitarvayu, when Shneem, if both animals are here, because then the Lemothi Matkulay, the Mazik cannot push away the Nizik. But if both animals are not here, one of them got lost, in such a case, the Mazik will give nothing to the Nizik. Because Matsi Amarle, the Mazik tells the Nizik, Zil Aisiraya, you go bring a proof, the Hai Toira Askoch. That the one that is here is the one that did damage. You don't know that. I'll tell you the one that got lost did the damage. You own that. Your animal got lost. If you can prove that this one is the one that did it, then and only then, will I pay you. And just feed, finishing the Patek reading Rashi, third line before the end of the, of the Rashi in this Patek, according to Rabbi Shmuel, that says that even though the payment comes, Migufai, but the Nizik doesn't automatically own it. The Mazik is a Balchayv, that he has Balchayvu, and it's only It's only a financial claim that the Nizik has against the Mazik. Then, if if one of the animals gets lost, then the Nizik will not lose his merit. According to Rabbi Yishmael, even if an animal gets lost, the Nizik will get paid. Because even if the one that gored is the one that got lost. So what? The mazik owes the money. The mazik is here. Now, not everyone agrees with Shritas Rashi, but this is the way Rashi concludes the Pedic. In Hadr and Allah Hamaniach, we will return to Pedic Hamaniach Hasakad. And now we are starting to learn the fourth chapter in Babakama, in the middle of Daflamadvav, Amadalav by the Mishnah. And again, to reiterate, remember the Machlekes, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yishmol, by Yashoyed, that gored, that's a tam. And the trader says, Chatzin Nezik has to be paid mi gufoi. Rabbi Kiva understands that the Nezik becomes a partner with the Mazik. 
Rabbi Shmuel says he doesn't become a partner, he doesn't automatically own the animal. The mazik owes him money, and the money is paid. Mi gufay, there is a lien, and it will get paid from the gufay. And it cannot get paid if the value of the hezek supersedes the gufay. But he's not a partner in the animal that will be key into appreciating the next Mishnah. Now, says the Mishnah, If one axe gores four or five other axes, Rashi right away points out, as well as all the other Rishayim, up until now, when people learn Baba Kama, and we, we learned so many times together that once an ox gored, whether it was two times or whether it was three times, the animal graduates from being an innocent ox to be a forewarned ox. At a certain point, the animal becomes a mud. If it gored four or five oxen, based on everything we learned until now, the first reaction will be, okay, the animal became a mud. So right away, Rashi points out that no, we're speaking about a case that the animal is only a tam. Now, how can that be? If the animal gored four or five other oxen, how is he a tam? There are many options. One, one option Ashi brings is that it didn't gore consecutively. It saw an ox and gored it. Then it saw another ox and didn't gore it. Then it saw a third ox and it did gore it. Now, if it would gore once yeah and once not, once yeah, once not, it would also become a mud after it follows that pa pattern. But it formed no pattern. Pattern. So not only did it not go one in the row of the other, but even the way it skipped, it didn't skip equal intervals. Very similar to the married men when it comes to establishing a vest, you know, vest kavua, vest she'eno kavua. But bottom line is, it did, one option is, is that it did not go with consistent intervals. Another option, just to speak out, that we learned on Dav, we learned on Dav Chav Gimel Amadeis, and Machlekes Rav Meir, Rabbi Yehuda. Rav Meir was the one that says, that an animal becomes a mud only if it gores on three separate days. So if it gores four or five oxen on the same day, it doesn't become a mud. Then we learned in the Gemara and Chavdalah, a boya, whether it is liyaude toira or liyaude gavra. In other words, there was one option there that the person is the one that needs to hear on three separate days that the animal gored. And if he heard it all on the same day, then the owner did not have enough time for him to understand that he really has to watch his menace, his animal, and it's not a mud. Or other options in which an ox can tack a gore four or five times, the key is the animal is still a tam. What's the, what's the halacha? The owner has to pay for the damage, only for half of the damage, and it comes from the goring animal. Now, says the Mishnah... Ze'achar zed, gored one after the other. The animal doesn't have enough value to cover all of the damages. The question is, what is the formula that we use for the damaged parties to get payment? So says the Tanakhama of our Mishnah, which is Rav Meir, Yishalem la'achrein shabahem, that the last victim gets paid first. And as we'll see right away in the Gemara, hold on one second. Let's go with Rabbi Yishmael. Let's say, if Rav Meir will hold like Rabbi Yishmael, that if I own an ox, that's a tam, I have a choiv to pay to the damaged party, the rules of bali choivis normally will be that if I owe different people money, who gets to get the first payment? The one who I owed money first. First come, first paid. Here the Mishnah is saying that the last victim gets paid first. We're going to have to figure out why is he having such a formula. And the Mishnah speaks it out. That the im yesh moisar, in other words, the last one comes to demand payment. So we, we evaluate. The, payment, the, the damage was $200. So the owner only owes him $100. Does the goring ox have a value of $100? If the answer is yes, the last one gets paid. Now what happens if the goring ox has more than $100 of value? So then who is the next one to get payment? You go backwards. Then Then the one before the last will get the excess money. If there's still, after you paid the second to last, there's still money. So then Then you pay the third to last. In other words, in other words, the concept called the Achroin Achroin Niskor. He who was damaged later is the one that benefits. These are the words of Rav Meir. Comes Rabbi Shimon. And here we can speak out. We'll have to analyze Rav Meir in a moment. The Gemara will do that. 
But just to give a words of introduction, Rab Shimon, as it will become clear, holds like Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva holds that the damaged party becomes a partner in the animal. So now think about it. If, my, if I'm the owner of the animal, let's give names Reuven Shimon Levi, Yehuda. If Reuven who owns the animal, if this animal damaged Shimon's animal, Shimon now becomes a partner in this animal. If Shimon becomes a partner in the animal, ironically now, if this animal damages again, who is the owner of the animal that's chayv to pay for damages? Not only the original owner, very good, the next owner as well. No, it's based on Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shimon has a whole different formula. So Rabbi Shimon says, and he gives, a, it's very clear, the, the scenario. If the ox, which is worth 200 zuz, that Gordon ox that's worth 200 zuz, and in the case, this is important, the the carcass is worth nothing. In other words, how much value was the damage? 200 zuz. How much does the owner have to pay? Tam, Chatzinezek, 100 zuz, which is good, because if the animal is worth 200 zuz. So, being Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Kiva, he becomes a partner in the animal. So let's think about it. The, the, animal, the, the damaging animal, the damager, which is worth 200, who owns it? It's Mama's own 50-50. The original owner keeps 100 mana of value, and the first damaged victim owns the other hundred. Zenoitl mana v'zenoitl mana. Now they didn't sell the animal. That's the case of the Mishnah. The animal gored again. It's owned 50-50. If it now it gored a third, a second time, now we're speaking about the second victim. And again, the second, the second victim's ox was worth 200. How much money does he need to get payment, the second victim? Half, 100. From whom does he collect that? Half and half. Very good. And it's all going to work. The last one will get full payment. A hundred. How much value is still left in the original ox? We said the original ox, the, damage, the damager, was worth two. If a hundred goes to the second victim, so from the other hundred, who gets, how do you divide that? Half and half. Fifty-fifty. Shalafanov. Vishalafanov. Vishalafanov means the ones that came before the second victim, which is whom? The owner and the first victim. It works. But now understand something. Now that the second victim owns a hundred mana in the ox, so if you want to establish the proportion, the proportional ownership, they don't own it equally. Now really you have three partners in the ox. You have the second victim. The second victim owns 50%. The first and the second, the owner and the first victim only own 25%. So let's go further. Now what happens if this ox gores a third victim? Wait, the last victim will get all the money. The last victim, again, third victim. And the third victim also lost 200 zoos because his ox was worth 200 zoos. The carcass is worth zero. The third victim was gored by a tom animal. So how much money does he get paid? 100. So from whom does he take that 100? So first of all, he gets 100. How much money is left? How much money is left in the animal? 100. How do you divide that 100? So you have three people. 50, 25, 25. Not equally. You know, it's proportional to their ownership. Accordingly, that's how much they pay for the damage. Ha'achlin gets the mana. Vishalafanov, the second victim that owned half of the animal, he pays half of the damage. So if he owned 100, he has to pay half of the damage, so he has to pay 50. So how much does he, does he remain with? Only with 50. However, the ones before him, they only own 25%, so they have to give from the 100 of the third victim. They only give accordingly, so perfect. So each of them remains with a dinner. A dinner is 25 zoos. And this goes on. So Rab Shimon and Rav Meir strongly disagree. They both share something in common. That the last victim will be covered. That's the same thing. The last victim is getting all the money. All the money, not all the money. He's getting all of the chatzinezek that is owed to him. He's getting all of what the trader gave to him. The only question is, if there is more money, if after you, you settle with the last victim, if there is excess. So Rav Meir said in the Tanakhama, it's not divided 
even proportionally to the ones before him. It goes to the second to last. Only if the second to last gets fully covered, do you go back up. Rab Shimon, as we explained in Mishnah, based on Abba Kiva, makes a lot of sense. He doesn't go with that formula. He says that the last victim gets fully paid, and the ones before him who are viewed as owners, according to their proportion, that's how much money they have to share from their part. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, we explained Rab Shimon nice. Question is, what does Rav Meir hold? Does he hold like Rabbi Akiva? Then he should have said like Rav Shimon. If he holds like Rabbi Yishmael, we spoke this out when we learned the Mishnah, then his whole approach doesn't make sense. Because if the owner of the animal is a Balchayv, the rule of a Balchayv is, if I have many debts, who gets paid first? The one to whom I owe the money first. Not to the one who, to whom I owe the money last. Let's read it inside. It says the Gemara, Masnissen, Mani. Masnissen, meaning Rabbi Meir, the Tanakama. It doesn't work. Who does he hold by? It apparently not like Rabbi Shmuel, and apparently not like Rabbi Kiva. Because if he would hold like Rabbi Shmuel, that holds that by a tam. When the Torah says, the owner of the tam simply owes money to the damaged party. The damaged party is not a partner in the animal itself. It's only a balchayv. So the question is, why did Rab Meir say, Achroin, Achroin, Niskar, that he who was damaged later is the one that benefits first? Why? He should have said, Rishon, Rishon, Niskar, Miboyele, as is the rule by all Balachavis. Now, by the way, we did learn on Daflam Adalit that if the Mazik of Atam has actual debts, then we learned in the Braisa whether the debt came before the damage, whether the debt came after the damage, the damaged party will be the first one collecting from the ox. But that's because when you compare a damaged party to an actual balchayv of a loan, let's say, since by the damaged party of Nezek of a shoyed, the trader said the payment is mi gufay, so he has first rights to the gufay. But that's only when, you're, when, you're, when you are weighing him against another type of debt. But if all of the people were equally damaged by the ox, then they should all be equal. If it's all viewed like a balchayv, then the first one should be the one that benefits, not the last one. And if the Tanakhamer of Meir will hold the Kerabakiva, the Amar that holds, that the victim becomes a partner in the animal. So then, why does Rav Meir say that if there is excess after paying the last victim, turning to the Aflamad of Avam in the base, then all of the excess goes fully to cover the second to last victim. He should not have said it. He should have said, It should go to all of them, not to all equal. But in proportion to their ownership, accordingly, each one should get their share, as Rav Shimon beautifully explained. So we can't understand Rav Meir. That's the question. Gavaldik. So says the Gemara Amarav. It must be that the Tanakama, which is Rav Meir, holds like Rabbi Shmuel. The Omar that says, That we view the owner of the animal as a debtor. He, ha- he owns a chayv. The victims are not partners in the animal. Ah, you look Kashalon, so you questioned, why did Rav Meir say, Achren, Achren, Iskar? Rav Meir should have said, Rishon, Rishon, Iskar, Mi Answers the Gemara, explains Rava, Hachab, Mayaskinon, Kegoin, Shetaf, Fasoi, Nizok, Ligboi, Seimenu. That the first victim, victim, the examples that we're giving, even though the Mishnah gave four or five times, but the, Rab Shimon only spoke out three victims. So let's stick to the three victims. So there was victim number one. According to Rabbi Yishmuel, he does not own the animal. But he's owed, in the example that we gave, a hundred zoos. He grabbed the animal. Why did he grab the animal? Because he was afraid that since the Torah says the payment only comes migufoy, the mazik of Atam always has the option, not, that's not honest, but to make the animal disappear and to tell the Nizak, I can't find the animal. You can't get paid, because I'm taka abal but you got to get paid from the animal. This is the challenge we have with Rashi at the end of the previous Vedic. Anyway, so what does the victim do? The victim grabs the animal. Ah, the moment the victim grabs the animal, he doesn't own the animal. According to Rabbi Yishmael, he doesn't even own half of it. So what will we categorize him as? What is he? He's a shoimer. And parenthetically, he's like a shoimer sacher. He's getting paid to watch it. What is he getting paid to watch it? The fact that he's secured 
that the mazik cannot play shtick with him, that is called payment. It really wouldn't make a difference. Even if he would be considered a shaymer chinam, both a shaymer chinam and a shaymer sachar, he happens to be called a shaymer sachar, there's an interesting rule. If I am guarding your ox, but I am guarding it, if this ox does damage, I am the only one responsible to pay for it. That's the case of the Mishnah. But let's explain like this. The first victim grabbed the ox. Then the ox gored the second victim. So then the, se- the owner of the second victim grabbed the ox. And then you know, each success- successive victim grabbed the ox to make sure that they will get their payment. This is the case in which Navmeir says, as we'll speak out beautifully, how the last one gets paid all of the damage. If there is left over, it doesn't go back to everyone proportionally. It only goes to the one prior. And if there is, and it goes back. Let's read it inside. The Nasa, since he becomes inside the Gemara, like a Shomer Sacher Linazakin. And by the way, again, even if you would only be like a Shomer Chinom, the Din would be the same. If you are guarding my ox, but while you were guarding it, it did damage, you're responsible. It happens to be that you're even a Hashem or Sacher. And he, one second, asks the Gemara, well, that doesn't make sense. Why not? Now let's hold cup. My, I'm the first owner. The first animal damaged the first victim. The same case. The first victim's animal was worth 200. It lost all of the value. How much money is owed to the second victim? 100. It grabbed the animal. It grabbed the animal. If this animal now gores another, a second victim, and it damages 100, who's high that 100? The second to the third. But let me ask you a question. And the same thing. So then the, the, the second one grabbed the animal, and the animal gored the third. Perfect. That's the question. So each one, in the case of the numbers, that it works beautifully, that each one owns or is holding it because it wants to get a hundred, but then the animal damaged someone else a hundred, so it has to give all of the money that it was owed to it, it has to pass it down. But the problem is that if there is excess, the excess should go to the owner, to the first owner, but that's not what the Mishnah writes. Let's read it inside. If there is excess, after you paid the third victim, that should go to the second victim? No. It should go back straight to the first owner. Not progressive. Not like Rabbi Kiva. Like Rabbi Yishmael. But it should all go back to the owner. So Amar Ravina explained, Ravina, you're right. In the case that I just painted, all of the excess, the second hundred, goes fully to the first owner. When did Rav Meir say the Moisir go Shalafanov and then Shalifnefanov? It's in a very limited case. Hachiktani im yesh Moisir binizakov yachzer Shalafanov. So let me speak out the following. The second victim, the first victim lost 200. How much money is owed to, this, to the first victim? 100. Now, it, it grabbed it. It damaged another victim. But the second victim's damage only amounted to 100. How much money is owed to the second victim? 50. The second victim grabs it. The second victim has the animal damaged while he's guarding it. A third victim. The third victim only got a damage worth 50. Each one had a lesser number of damage. So think about it. The second one who got a hundred dollar damage, who was owed 50, he owns, so to say, 50. It's owed to him 50. When the second one damaged the third, the third's damage to begin with is 50. How much money is owed to the third? 25. So what happens with the other 25? All of that goes to the second victim. Because he was owed 50. He only owes now 25. So from the money that he, so to say, had a lien on, if it damaged lesser amount, all of the difference goes back to him. Now, after he gets his 50, so 25 went to the last one, from him. Because that's all the damage that he deserved in the case where the whole Nezik was just 50. He gets 25. The second one gets the other 25. As we mentioned, the first one had a Nezik of 150 of it it needed to pass on, but the other 50 goes back to the, to the, to the first victim. The Mishnah's rules of Rav Meir only works 
when each successive, successive victim had a lesser amount of damage done to it. That is where it doesn't go back to the first owner. But yes, the, the original 100, the animal of the mazik was worth 200. So from the 100 half of it, we, we explained how it goes. 25, 25, 50. And all of the first 100 goes back to the first owner. No, it's all Rabbi Yishmael and Bechein Amar Ravan. Amar Rabbi Yechanan, that the reason of Rav Meir is Mishum Pshiyas Shoimrim Naguba. The reason why Rav Meir says that the last one will get paid, the last one gets paid, is because the Mishnah is speaking about a case where the axe did not gore while it was under the guardianship of the owner. Each victim became the guardian. And therefore, the rule is, you are guarding an animal, you have to pay for all of the damage that it does. Says the Gemara Bamayokimta. In other words, what are you explaining? That Rav Meir holds like Rabbi Yishmael. But as we spoke out when we learned the Mishnah, Rav Shimon for sure holds like Rabbi Akiva, which is why it worked so beautifully. Rav Shimon says, And if the case, victim number one's carcass is worth zero. So victim number one who lost 200 should get 100. And then oitl mana was an oitl mana. So far, so good. And then Abshimem went on to say, If now the animal gored victim number two, again, victim number two, Abshimem's case is it also lost 200, which means you have to pay victim number two 100. Said Abshimem that the second victim will get the, first, the whole mana. And the owner and the first victim. Each one will only remain with 50. And then Abshimen says, and now if the animal gored a third victim, and again, the damage on the third victim was 200. How much money do you have to pay to the third victim? 100. The last one gets the full money. The second victim will get 50. And the original owner and the first victim, each one will only remain with one dinar. That says the Gemara only works with Rabbi Kiva. The logic of this is because he holds like Rabbi Kiva. The moment you become a damaged party, you become a partner. The moment you become a partner, if the ox gores, whether you were guarding it or not, you're responsible because you own the animal. Which is amazing. That the trader should who? So Reisha, Rabbi Shmuel, the Sefer Rabbi Kiva. Now, really, who cares? And the answer is, we try to avoid that. Because since we didn't have a Mishnah, but we had a Braisa, which recorded the Machlekes, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva, if this scenario is basically dependent on whether you hold like Rabbi Shmuel or Rabbi Kiva, who needed the whole Mishnah? We already know the Machlekes, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. So if such a thing were to happen, you would ask, what's the Halacha? We would know. Rabbi Kiva would give the formula that we have in Rabbi Shimon, and in the specific case of Rab Meir, where each damage was of a lesser amount of money, if you hold like Rabbi Yishmael, you would give the formula of Rab Meir, that achran achran niskor. So why do we have to have a machlekes that's basically just reiterating a machlekes that we already know? On the other hand, they never spoke about the scenario. So the Gemara says, yeah, that's exactly the machlekes. Omni, they answered in that this is the Mishnah. This scenario, machlekes Rab Meir, and Rab Shimon is really the machlekes Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Meir holds like Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi Akiva. In, and the Ha'amr lay Shmuel Rabbi Yehuda. Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel told Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was trying to understand this Mishnah. He was trying to make both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shimon either go according to Rabbi Akiva or both go according to Rabbi Shmuel. And while he was breaking his head, so his new teacher Shmuel told him, Shinon, a sharp one. Shvaik Masnis and stop trying to make the Mishnah work according to one of these two Tanoim. The Tav Basrai, follow my explanation, which is the real explanation. It might not be, you don't like it, but it is. And Itmanami, we learned likewise that Omar Rabbi Yechanan said, Higdishu Nizak, regarding the case of our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, that what happens if the second victim or if the third victim, if they consecrated the animal? Question is, is it partially consecrated or not? And what does that depend on? Same thing, that's the machlekes. That Rav Meir will hold that if a victim consecrates the animal, none of it is consecrated. None of it is consecrated. Why not? Because it belongs to whom? To the first owner. The reason why the last one gets paid, that's because of the din of a shaymer. If you're the shaymer, you don't own it. But if you're guarding it, if it does damage while you're guarding it, you have to pay for the damage. 
but you don't own any of it. And, and Rabbi Yechanan said that according to Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Mishnah, if one of the victims consecrated the animal, then according to the proportion of their ownership, that amount becomes consecrated. In other words, ending the Mishnah, moving on to the next, says the Gemara, we learned in the Mishnah, now there's a, the Rashi brings over here two opinions. What the words toikeya means, toikeya means to make a lot of noise, or it means to hit. So either it means if someone hit someone else near the ear, and it made that person hurt that person, or if someone shouted near the person's ear. These are the two opinions. And says the Mishnah, noisen loisela, the one who was the toikeya has to pay the one who got injured one seller. Rashi says we are referring specifically to the damage of shame. When an Adam is mazik, aside of paying for the nezik, you have to pay for tsar, ripu, shavas, and boishas, we're speaking specifically about shame. Shame is something very difficult to evaluate. You have to pay the person for the medical bills. Ripoy, simple. Get, get, get the bill and, and pay the bill. If the person has unemployment, you have to know how to figure the unemployment, but it's something that you can measure. Shame, how do you measure shame? So the Tanakama says that the mazik has to give only for boishas, Rashi says, one seller. One seller, we just had this yesterday, is four zoos. We'll see more to that in a moment. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, in the name of Rabbi Yisiaglili, Mane. Not one seller, which is four zoos, 100 zoos. Wow. Big machlekes. We're going to see that their machlekes is even more than you think. Now, a story. Ha'hu gavra, the taka lechavrei, there was a man that did, that, that did whatever hatakeya means. Let's go with the first Rashi, that he, uh, he knocked him near his ear. He delivered a blow near his ear. And the injured party took the mazik, and they went in front of Raftuvio, Barmasna, who did not know how to paskin. So Raptuvya Barmasya sent both of them, Shalchei Raptuvya Barmasno, that they should go in front of Rabbi Yosef. Now what was the question? Why didn't he know? The question wasn't whether you pass him like the Tanakama or like, like Rabbi Yosef Haglili. His question is, what did the Tanakama mean when he said pay him a seller? What's the question? Seller is a seller. No, a seller is not a seller. The word seller, and this is something that every now and then we review, there was the seller of the region of Tzur. Their, their coinage was made out of pure silver. What we would call today sterling silver. And then there was the coinage that was made in everywhere else called Sela Medini, the provincial Siloyim, in which it was the value of their coinage was an eighth of the same name of Tzur. Simply because it was the same size coin, it had the same name, but it wasn't made out of pure silver. It was made out of uh, other metals that had a little drop of silver in it. So when the Chachamim said in the Tanakhama, a sela, he asked, is it a sela tsuritanan, which is taka four zoos, as we mentioned, four silver zoos, or sela medinotanan, or is it a, a half of a zoos? Now if the Tanakhama meant a half of a zoos, then the machlekes between the Tanakhama and Abiyah Sehaglili isn't one says four, one says a hundred. One says half, one says a hundred. That's 200% difference. Not 200%, 200 times difference. That's a huge machlekes. We'll, we'll speak about Toysus in a moment who addresses this. How can you have such a big machlekes? So that was the question that Rav Tuvia had, and he sent this question to Rabbi Yosef. So Amalei, now by the way, Rashi points out something important. That one second, Rav Tuvia Barmasna and Rabbi Yosef, they both lived in Bavl. We just learned a few days ago that the penalty of Boishas is like a penalty of Knas. Knas meaning a penalty that is not here to make up a monetary loss. By shame, the, the damaged party didn't lose money. They got ashamed. But since there is a rule that based in Bavl, since they don't have Smicha, don't have the power to rule Dine Knasas, they also don't have the power to rule and we accepted that before. So what was the question? If we're speaking about Boishas. So Rashi says, it's speaking about a case where the damaged party grabbed something. He didn't grab payment. He grabbed a, a security, a mashkin. 
And since he grabbed the security, once he already has something that belongs to the damageur, now Yitaka have to pay him. He's not going to keep that, but that gives him enough power for Bezin in bubble to now figure out how much money is owed. And Amarle, to which Rav Yosef responds, Tenisua. I know the answer. We learned in the Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah, and we're going to our Mishnah, that's how it comes in over here, that Shnayim Horishoinim, the Mishnah, he's quoting the final scenario of Rav Shimon, where the third party got 100. The second party got, how it goes back, it keeps 50. And the, first, the owner and the first damaged party, each one gets a dinner of. Each one gets 25. Now he has a very simple question. The Mishnah began with Shoreh Arba V'chamisho. What, what did Rav Shimon give as an example? A case where there were only three victims. Why didn't Rav Shimon go a step further? It would work the same thing. Now if you would go a step further, when you go back to the beginning, how much, how much would each one get? Twelve and a half. If, there would be, if you would give an example of a fourth victim. The Mishnah doesn't like speaking about halves. So if the Mishnah is speaking about Sela Tzuri, if you're speaking about Sela Tzuri, so the, the, the next step, if there would have been a fourth victim, would be that the first one and the owner would get 12 and a half. I get why you don't want to mention 12 and a half. That explains why the Mishnah only gave a case where you have three victims. But if Mishnais speak also about Sela Medini, Sela Medini, you don't have to go into halves. Because each one... A sela, a sela medini is a half azuz. So you can give a full sela. So why didn't we go backwards? Is a raya that the Mishnah only speaks about sela tsuri? And since we don't want to give a half a number, that's why the Mishnah stopped by the third victim. Gavaldika proof. So he says, since the Mishnah went back to Shnaimer Roshanim Dinar Zav, the E Salkadaitach Tani Tana Sela Medina, if the Tana who mentions Sela can also be referring to a Sela Medina, which is really a half a Zuz, but Sela is the name of a whole coin, a Sela Medini, Niflik, the Nitni, Atresa, the Sela. Why didn't he give a fourth victim? And to go at the end and saying that the original two, the owner and the first victim, gets twelve. 12 tsuri and one salamidini, and you don't have to give a half a coinage. Is that aya? To which that's not a proof. Because even though the Mishnah could have gone with the fourth victim, but is the Tana like a peddler? You know, when peddlers sell the wares, they have to push on the client everything that they have. Rab Shimon gave a formula. Once we learned the Mishnah, it's easy to understand. It was worded Ganeidan. You get it. So we know on our own that if there's a fourth victim, then everyone gets, you know, proportionally has to participate in the damage. Not because the Mishnah didn't want to give a half a number. Because the Tana is not obligated like a peddler to spell everything out for you. He already spelled it out enough for us. We've got to use a little bit of our own seichel. So therefore, Rabbi Yosef accepted. So it's not a proof. So my havalo. So Pashtu, at the end, they concluded, they resolved this question, and this is an important rule, that whenever the trader uses the words kesev, if my ox, God forbid, kills someone else's Evet Kanani. So the trader says, I, the owner of the ox, I owe the owner of the Evet Kanani 30 shekel kesev. Or any other place, you know, Ma'anas, Mafata, 50 shekel kesev, Moitzi Shemra, 100 Whenever the Torah mentions a coinage, the Torah only refers to Kesav Tzuri, the more expensive coinage, the coins that were used, Bizman Chazal and Sur. However, Bishel Devreim, whenever the sages mention, Torah says, the word Selah, we're speaking specifically about the word Selah, Selah in a Mishnah, the word Selah in a Braisa, is Kesav Medina. And therefore, here, in the Mishnah, Hatekeh, it says, the Tanakhami, you give a Selah. What is the Selah? Really, a half a Zuz. So, Taisvis, in the third Taisvis of the Amid, points out, according to this conclusion, wow, the Machlekes is so huge. Imagine, do I owe you one, do I owe you two? Do I owe you a half? 50 cents or $100? How can there be such a big Machlekes? So, Taisvis beautifully points out, that is the nature of Busham. Boishas, as we'll learn later, you know, the statement, There isn't a clear-cut number. It depends who did the shaming or who got ashamed, and both together. And Latoisva says, if a poor man was the one who got ashamed, to begin with, unfortunately, he doesn't feel that ashamed, or he always feels ashamed. He got used to it. He gets only a half. 
Rabbi Yisai clearly is speaking about a case where the one who got victimized was someone who was wealthy. A wealthy person has, has a sense of a more entitlement. He feels more busha. So to him you get, you give a hundred. That's the way Teresus explains it. So now look, look at what happened. Now there's a lot to learn from what happened later. So both people, the one who did the shaming, the one who got ashamed, they went to a dentator. And not only do we not paskin like Rabbi Yisai Haglili, we paskin only the seller. Now we further clarified the seller isn't even a seller tzuri. It's only a seller medini. It's a half a zuz. So it sounded like a very insignificant amount of money. So Omar Leahu Gavro. So the, the victim accepted the psagdin. But he tells the Rabbi Yosef, the Rav, and now that I've discovered that I'm only entitled to a half a zuz, I don't even want that. And he tells them, give it to the poor. Notice he was angry. That's all I'm getting? Give it to the poor. He took a couple of breaths and he decided, no, 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 no. I, want, I, I want the coin. After, a few moments later, Omar lay, he tells the Rav, no, 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 give it to me. And Eizel ba'abari be'nafshoi, I'm going to go and refresh myself with it. So the question is, what now? Like this, a couple of dinim. If a person makes a pledge to charity, the pledge has to be honored. Many opinions hold that a pledge to tzedakah is just like pledging something to the Beis HaMikdush. Amirasoi lagavoya kidnisirasi lahedyit. Even though the person did not make a kingin, when it comes to Hegdish or to a charity pledge, you made a commitment, you have to keep it. Here he didn't pledge anything. That's very important. He didn't make a pledge. He didn't say, I'm pledging a half of those two poor people. Money is owed to him. He told the Rav, that money, instead of it being paid to me, should go to someone else. He made that statement even before the money was in his possession. Don't forget, they went to a dentator to find out how much money does the Takeya have to pay. He didn't pay it. In such a case that he didn't make a pledge, the money was not in his possession, you were to think that that statement, give it to the poor, doesn't have any effect. And therefore he could retract. The din is that it does have effect. Why does it have effect? Because there's a din called Maimot Shloshtan, which means like this. We learned this many times together. If you owe me money, if Reuven owes me money, and I owe money to Shimon, if we're all together, that's the key, we all have to be together, if I tell the person who owes me money, don't give it to me, give it to Shimon, even though it's only a declaration, it's as if a Kenyan was made, and that money is owed to Shimon, Reuven pay Shimon. So Rabbi Yosef, the novelty here will be, that when he said, give it to the poor, there weren't poor people there. But Rabbi Yosef was there. Rabbi Yosef wasn't only the Rav, Rabbi Yosef was also the Gabbai Tzedakah. He was a trustee in the charity fund. So he represents the poor. So the Mazik who owes the money was there. The Nizak to whom money was owed made the declaration. And he made it in front of Rabbi Yosef who is the hand of the poor. So this is considered the Maimut Shloshtan, even though a pledge wasn't made, even though he wasn't in possession of the money, the money is owed directly to the poor. He could not make the retraction. Oh, he made a statement, give it to the poor. That's it. If, the money is owed to the poor. Let's read it inside. Three lines from the bottom. Amar Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef tells the Nizak, Ah, kfar zochu The poor people already own it. And even though the Gemara points out, that, can, that only makes sense based on the rule of Maimut Shloshtan. Maimut Shloshtan only works if all the parties are there. All the parties weren't here. Says the Gemara Rabbi Yosef says, Anan, Yadaniyam Anan, I am the hand of the poor. Because he was a trustee in the charity fund. The Amr of Yehud Amar Shmuel, turning to the Aflamet Zion, that Yusayimim, something similar, not the same but similar. Orphans don't need a prusbul. We learned this together in Gitim, Lamed Vav, and many other times, that during the times of the Second Day Samigdash, when the dinam of Shemitah were only in effect by rabbinic law. And Hillel saw that people are hesitating to lend money before the seventh year because of the rule that once you hit Shemitah, beginning of Shemitah, the end of Shemitah, you cannot collect your debts. So people stopped lending. And there's a mitzvah to lend money if you are able to. So Hillel instituted the prusbul that circumvents, so to say, the dinam of Shemitah. It allows a person to collect their debts. How? 
Who cannot collect their debts? An individual cannot collect his or her debt. But if I give over my debts to Bezdin, a Bezdin, if money is owed to the collective, the collective can collect. So everyone, through a Prusbul, you're giving over your debts to the Bezdin. So says Shmuel, Gavihud in the name of Shmuel, that Yisraelim don't even need a Prusbul. You don't have to write the Prusbul to them. Today our meaning is to make a declaration by Yataras Nodorim. And by the way, we do it in the beginning of Shemitah year and the end of the Shemitah year. Let's read Rashi, the Belav, the top of the Rashi, ain't the Prusbul, because the Belav Hachi Loimishamet Shvi is, Luchayv Shalahem. Because even without the Prusbul document, Shemitah will not stop them from having the right to collect it. Why? Because to begin with, who represents the Yusayimim? Bazin. Bazin is already their hand. Bazin is already the collective. You don't have to give over your debts to the Bazin. Bazin, to begin with, represents you. Second line in Rashi. Because the Anan Yodayu Diyasmi Anan. And Vromi Alon Hafuchi Bizchusayu. Because Bazin has an obligation to look out for the finances of orphans. Back in the Gemara. The Chain Tani Rami Barchama. That Yusayimim don't need a Prusbul. Why? Because Rab Gamliel, Ubezdinai, Avim Shal Yusayimim Hayu. Because Rabbi Gamliel, look at the beautiful expression. They are the father of the orphans. Coming back, so just like we said that by Prusbul, Rabbi Yosef applied this to the rule of Maimet Shlashton. So first of all, this, girl, this person heard he's only getting a half a zuz. On top of that, he didn't get the half a zuz, but he got a mitzvah, which is even better. He gave, the, he, he, he gave it away to Tzedakah. And now a final story. Chonon Bisha. Not a nice title. The word Bisha means the shameful one. The, the no good one. Chanan, the Bisha, we'll see soon why he was called Chanan Bisha. He hit someone. Now again, hitting first version of Rashi, second version of Rashi, he shouted in his ear. And also, and they came in front of Rafuna to find out how much money he owes. So Rafuna paskind to Chanan, he paskind. As we learned before, that you only have to pay a sela medini, which is only a half a zuz. So, so he has to pay a half a zuz. Now, he didn't have a half a zuz. He had havalei zuza macha. He had a worn out zuz. He had a worn out zuz. You know what I mean? A worn out today, it's like you have an old olive that's half torn. And you want to get change. Some people are afraid to take it. They don't want to give you change because they don't know if they can make use of it. So he was trying to get two half a zuz from his one worn out zuz to pay the person the half a zuz. No one was exchanging it for him. So what is he going to do now? So he's a Hanan Bisha. So he hit him again. So now he owes him a whole zuz and he paid him the zuz. So he hit him again and the and he gave the victim the, the bad zuz. Now, he definitely should not have hit him again. But one of the chidushim of the Gemara is, is that if you have a coinage that people are hesitating to take because it's already worn out, the victim to whom money is owed to because of Nezik cannot recuse taking it. The victim now was owed, was owed two half a zuz and he got tekeyad twice. He's allowed to give him the zuz and he needed to take it. Obviously, you shouldn't have done it and that's why the Gemara calls him here, Chanan Bisha, Emir Tzashem to be continued.